I was young and I watched a uh, Bible man when I was a kid a lot. This is going to be good. Um, and she said, I was like maybe three or four and someone by chance happened to ask me to pray before a meal or something like that. And she said, I just gave this really like graceful, wonderful prayer. And she was like, Oh, my heart as a mom was just like, Oh my gosh, my little kid is just praying with such sincerity. And then like a week later, I'm sitting there and, you know, watching Bible man and she's in the room and he quotes the exact prayer that I was praying <laughs> at, you know, before dinner that night. And she was like, he was just repeating what he heard <laughs> on Bible man. Look out for my worldview. Cloudy when you sinking, got you thinking it's a whirlpool. Caesar in your pockets. You can't see who's in your pockets, but Stevie's inner visions touch your eyes and make the world move. Wifey bob her head and make her curls move. Crown Welcome to the Belfast podcast, the podcast dedicated to those deconstructing and reconstructing their faith. I'm your host, Luke Byler, and I got a guest, second time appearing on the podcast, my good buddy, Matt Dean. Welcome back. Hello, friend. It's so good to be back. So, so glad you're here. Yeah. Was this worth the, worth the trip from Lee Summit? Oh, for sure. For sure. It's been a good weekend so far. I uh, got one more day here. Um, maybe another episode at some point. So uh, I'm excited. I'm I'm happy that we get to have this conversation most definitely uh so we kind of had pre-show discussion about the topic and kind of some points we want to hit uh i i would like to just jump right in oh yeah what we mentioned uh, in the green room yes <laughs> <laughs> meaning the front porch of the ranch yeah I guess every discussion we have is technically a pre-show discussion in some way or another. Yeah. So today's topic, prayer. Oh, yeah. Uh, last episode, Dimitri and I discussed our relationship with the Bible, and I thought that that was a very helpful and informative discussion. And I wanted to do something similar here uh, with me and Matt, and we were discussing even last night kind of what we wanted to talk about. and. In my head, I was kind of thinking about, man, let's talk about some importance of spiritual disciplines and, you know, something that is really um, grabbable, if that's a word, for like people who will listen, something that they could take and like use or ponder how, how it affects their life, much like our discussion about how we relate to the Bible. Um, and I just kept thinking, man, the spiritual discipline of prayer is something that I'm not good at, which maybe means it's worth discussing, uh, which probably means it's worth discussing. And I think it's something that is a, a last resort for a lot of people. For uh, some reason. For some weird reason that we can talk about. But yeah, so today's topic is prayer. Um, kind of how we relate to prayer, how we've grown up with prayer. And kind of our general thoughts on some good ways and some not so good ways to, or less helpful prayer, ways, less helpful ways. Uh, so let's jump right in. I guess first let's kind of discuss our history with prayer. Uh, yeah. So Matt, do you want to go first? How did you grow up praying or learning to pray? What was the model more or less that you were taught? Okay. Uh, and how has that changed? In recent time, or why? Uh, let's if hope it did, it's why changed. and all that. So go ahead. Um, so a very very quick uh, background on how I grew up praying. I went to a Methodist church with my mother. This is when I was uh, still living in Florida before I moved up to uh, Missouri. Um, so Methodist church with my mother on the occasional Sunday and then on the weekends that my dad uh, had visitation over me and my younger brother, we went to a local Baptist church that I was a bit more, actually a lot more fond of than um, that Methodist church. Um, so Baptist, this is one thing I've noticed since I've moved up here is that Baptists always say amen out loud at the end of the 
and at the end of a prayer. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but a lot of my friends don't really do that. That's kind of an insignificant detail. Um, but the when I grew up Baptist, it was a much more reverential way to pray, where it's like hands folded, like heads bowed. Um, and it was more, very much so the same sort of format. Uh, it was common to have like the same group of people pray like out loud during service. Um, usually like the content covered in the prayer was like gratitude or bless this person going through hard times. Um, you know, things along that nature, which is certainly not a bad thing, but it just kind of became stale. And that repetition, I think, gave me an expectation for what prayer looks like, which is often very, or at least to them, it was very formulaic. Um, And as my relationship with practicing prayer changed, I sort of realized that there's validity to that. And I think we'll get into that later. There is um, kind of a unique way prayer works when it comes to format. Um, Regarding the Methodist church, it was was quite similar um, in a handful of ways, but less similar. it didn't seem like a chore at the Methodist church for whatever reason. Like it was like, uh, and, and the, these two churches that I went to is just a big difference in theology and customs, like wearing jeans to this Baptist church would be a big no, no, but like everybody showed up in just like mom jeans to this Methodist church every Sunday. It was like two different worlds separated by like five miles. Um, but it seemed much more casual. It seemed, um, it seemed to cover like more compassionate topics. Um, but it seemed a lot more like communally affirming in a sense. Explain. Uh, So obviously when the pastor sort of closes in prayer, the sermon like it's pretty common that he'll sort of hit these one, two, three main points discussed in the sermon. Um, and if there's like a community struggle like that will be addressed, not in like a bad way, but like, Oh, this family recently lost like a family member. So we'll be like praying for them because like they're well known by the church. Um, but at this uh, Methodist church, it seemed much more like it was obviously never like word for word, like we're in this together, but it had that undertone behind it. Like, um, like may we sort of love one another better each and every day. Like it was just a lot more like Methodist theology was like present in these different, uh, prayers and I was just like ah okay like I don't have to sort of sweat bullets about praying a certain way because people pray differently and that's okay Hmm. uh did I cover that question at all no that's good um I think for me growing up and as I talked last episode I grew up as a missionary kid uh so I call I consider MK's uh, PK's 2.0 because uh, there's like an extra I don't know there's this weird Christian culture thing where it kind of feels like you have an extra badge being a missionary instead of just being a pastor I don't know maybe it's just me uh, but not that I like believe that but it it certainly had that air to it um, whenever we go to churches or you know be around um, fellow missionaries or or uh, people at church or friends of ours or whatever. It was just like, Oh, you guys are missionaries. Wow. That's Luke's just joking. Everybody knows that that means much more. (laughs) Uh, so I say that facetiously. (laughs) 
I, I wouldn't say I liked it any. I mean, you know, you get the, the, you know, preacher's kid syndrome where it's like they're expected to be perfect and all that stuff. And for me, that also wasn't untrue. Um, I don't think my parents expected me to be perfect or smart enough to know that I'm not. Uh, but there was a certain like, oh, you're more spiritual because of that upbringing than your regular church attender or whatever. Uh, but needless to say, I grew up in a family that, like I said, loved the Bible and especially a mom who was very much a prayer, uh, like prayer warrior, maybe not so much in the sense of how you might think of that phrase. Uh, but someone who, when we pray as a family, and it's just, a, you know, three of us in there, my dad and I's prayers would be short and her prayers would be long. Uh, I remember when I was a kid, I would, you know, be looking for her in the house and she would be literally in her closet. And we'll get to this in a minute. She would literally be in her closet praying. And that model of prayer being highly personal and highly um like very much in silence and in solitude was something that always stuck with me as like I don't see this very often like, can I ask what way that resonated with you? Like, did it seem odd? Did it seem like she was doing something proper in a way? Or was it just like, why is my mom doing this? Like, was it confusion? Was it like, ex could you explain? No, I don't think it was confusion. I just think that, uh, <laughs> I think in a weird way, and this is, odd to admit, and I don't know if I ever told my parents this or even thought about it this way, but I think that it, from that, I saw a much more like emotional connection with prayer that my mom had than my dad did. And my, my dad's not a highly emotional man anyway. Um, you know, my mom is much more extroverted than he is. So, you know, those things come to the surface a lot quicker. Uh, but I, I, not even that I thought my mom had a deeper relationship with God, although I might've thought that when I was maybe in middle school. Um, but the more I got to know my dad, the more I found that that dichotomy wasn't true. Um, but it was just that sense of like emotional closeness that would, that premium that was put on prayer mm. as like a, a thing of solitude that I think struck me a lot. And that was like baked into my practice of prayer as a kid uh, that I would, you know, go in my room and close my door and, you know, and while I'm praying, also be praying that no one came in because they were going to interrupt me. And yeah, so I think witnessing that from my mom was, uh, I think it was mostly positive. I think it, it, it laid a groundwork that um, I think in the simplest terms, if you pray, take it seriously. Well, seriously, or like... Intentionally. Or sincerely sincerely yes because baptists pray very seriously like there's but i think a sincere prayer like whether we whether we're like opening or closing a bible study and one of our friends is praying or if we're sitting in church um praying like I think what makes a good prayer um, and makes a good prayer like accepted is if the 
sincerity is really present. Like it doesn't even have to be like the most, you know, poetic sort of language. It doesn't have to hit, you know, these sort of interesting theological points, but if it comes sincerely, like from the heart, I think that's what makes a good prayer. Yeah. And And even children are capable of mm -hmm, that. mm -hmm. So funny story actually about uh, my mom and prayer or or me, I guess when I was young in prayer, Uh, my mom tells a story quite often where I was, I was young and I watched a Bible man when I was a kid a lot. This is going to be good. Um, And she said, I was like maybe three or four and someone by chance happened to ask me to pray before a meal or something like that. And she said, I just gave this really like graceful, wonderful prayer. And she was like, Oh, my heart as a mom was just like, Oh my gosh, my little kid is just praying with such sincerity. And then like a week later, I'm sitting there and, you know, watching Bible man and she's in the room and he quotes the exact prayer that I was praying at (laughs) You know, before dinner that night, and she was like, he was just repeating what he heard <laughs> on Bible Man. So that a tells you like how good I am at audio, auditorial memorization. Uh, but yeah, so that's it. I parroted that prayer. Um, maybe not insincerely, but just probably thought it was good and wanted to repeat it. So there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I don't think it's just funny. Cause she was like, I thought it was like, he came up with this on his own and nope, he's, it's just what Bible man said. Maybe your mom was too hopeful of you as a kid. <laughs> maybe, maybe I think there's still a bit of that. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think the sincerity in prayer was, was uh, modeled for me very well as a child. And so I carried that with me. I think something that was uh, unhelpful for me with that, though, was, uh, and I was always a, I'm a pretty, I'm like moderate in agreeableness. So uh, I've always had a pretty soft heart and I've always like worried about other people, which isn't bad, but um, I found the bad sides of that as I've grown up. Uh, that being said, I was very much, I guess the best way to maybe say it or the simplest way to put it is I was a very emotional child. Me so, too. <laughs> so, uh, it didn't take much for me to like cry or, uh, and, and good, good thing was it was nothing that was ever like shamed in my house. It wasn't that classic, like, oh, boys don't cry or whatever. Um, Must be nice. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, even though I've never, I no, never is not true. I've, uh, I've not seen my dad display, have big displays of affection, um, throughout my life. It's even when I have them with, with my parents, it's never, uh, I never feel less because of it. Um, which has always been good. Uh, with, with that, though, I think that with all that good, I think I also equated like good prayer with emotional prayer. Mm. Uh, and certainly those are times that I don't want to say were bad in any way, but I equated like a, dare I say, like useful prayer or prayers that God actually heard as like, if I was crying or not, Mm. which, which is funny now that I think about it, but yeah. And that's part of like, I guess why I was always scared that someone would walk in when I was praying. Cause usually it was something that was quite emotional and, you know, again, not to say that it was bad, but it's just an interesting thing to think about now as, I equated a good prayer or um, an, a sincere prayer with emotionalness, emotion connected to the prayer. And I think that's also why I counted my dad's prayers as less sincere. But the more I've gotten to know him, the, the uh, I found that to be untrue. 
Well, I think it's really interesting that you say that because that the first thing that reminded me of is like, oh, an emotional prayer is a heard prayer. Like the little kid in Lowe's that's like crying, screaming, like tugging on his parents, you know, hand trying to get their attention is also like, I don't know. It, I just see that as a comparison. Like, obviously, um, that's not the way things go, especially if you like no parents or like have children of your own. It's like, well, you just kind of have to like sit this one out until you can be a little bit more reasonable. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that in a way reminds us how much we are children of God. Yeah. Like even the most mature Christian, like scripture is still <clears throat> going to say, um, like you may think you know much, but uh, like in the grand scheme of things, there is very little that you know. This sort of Proverbs theme of the less you know, the more wise you are. Mm-hmm. Um. What did Socrates say? He says, I'm, I'm the wisest man because I don't claim to know anything. Yeah, something along those lines. <clears throat> uh, but yeah, I think that that's just was very much part of my childhood was that sincerity was displayed from my mom. And not that my mom was an overly emotional prayer, but um, just in how I was, I equated emotionality with success in mm. prayer. So if I may ask, what was, I think, well, what, what's the first big step that you've encountered in your prayer life where you've willingly changed the way you pray? That happened in high school. Okay. I was actually reading uh, The Divine Conspiracy and I was reading his chapter on prayer. Yes. Uh, and he goes through the the prayer and the sermon on the Mount, which we'll get to later in this episode. Uh, But he talked a lot about how, and he talks about prayer and fasting kind of together because Jesus talks about them together and there's reasons for that. And he talks, he connects it a lot to this idea that we've already hit on of, um, of, of like prayer and solitude and, and, you know, uh, well here I have some, passages let's just uh let's read uh let's read this real quick so this is from the sermon on the mount this is matthew 6 i'm reading from the nlt if anybody's curious he says when you pray don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them i tell you the truth that is all the reward they will ever get but when you pray Go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father, who sees everything, will reward you. And when you pray, don't babble on like the Gentiles do. They think they will be, their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them, for your father knows exactly what you need, even before you ask him. Pray like this. And then he goes through the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, may your kingdom be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And so he, Dallas uh, talks a lot about the necessity of doing the things and if you read this whole chapter six in the sermon on the mount jesus he talks about a couple different things he talks about fasting talks about giving to the needy just before this passage he gives a model for prayer and then he talks about uh what's the next thing uh money and treasures and all that and his continuing refrain seems to be if you do it for the reward to be seen then there's your reward you've already gotten it so don't do it to be seen. Do it because you actually want to connect with your father. And I took that and I said, well, I've never seriously thought about 
prayer in that sense. And I've also never fasted in that sense. And so I got my good friend at the time, uh, Matt Taylor, and we were sitting one Sunday afternoon and I said, look, I feel like I just need to do something different with my prayer. I need to just try to see what happens if I fast and I pray. And so uh, the school schedule that we had was we had lunch after fourth period and we got about an hour and a half for lunch, which is great because you'd have lunch and then people who were in band would have band practice. But everyone who didn't have band practice could go to the dorms, do homework, hang around, and then, um, oh, lunch was after fifth period. And then after lunch, you'd have sixth and seventh period. You'd have your last two periods of the day. So, and it was really great my sophomore year because I had lunch and then I had wood tech and then I had Bible class. So that was like super chill afternoon. It was great. <laughs> anyway, this was junior year. And we were just like, okay, so how do we do this fast and prayer and don't make it obvious? And we're not going to tell anybody about it. And we both thought, well, man, everybody goes to lunch at the same time. It's not like we have lunch periods. Everybody goes to lunch at the same time. Who's going to notice if we're gone? No one. And we're like, and there's a prayer chapel, like, on campus, a little bit up the road. Let's just go there. So for a whole week, we skipped lunch. And we would just meet up as everybody was walking to lunch, and then we'd just turn left and walk to the prayer chapel. And we'd either read something together or we'd just pray together. And we both have said after that is like nothing grew our spiritual life more than that. Like uh, in terms of like within that time frame, like that week was just magnificent. Like nothing I've ever experienced afterwards because I've never done anything like that afterwards. And you know, I'm sitting here thinking I'm dumb that I've never done anything like that afterwards. Why not? It was so great. Like, I, I think this all the time of like with working out or eating well or whatever. It's like, well, if it's good, why would I stop doing it? Well, I haven't done that again, but it was great. Why wouldn't I do it again? So there's that story and it was it was very much a like the first couple of days were were that emotional like we're both like on our knees crying like praying and it's just like oh this is successful and then like at the end of the week we're just we're kind of there just together just talking just talking to god just praying about whatever's going on in our lives and in our school with our friends or whatever. And then I remember it was like, I think we agreed we'd either stop on Friday afternoon or Saturday and we both sat and had lunch and we were like, I don't miss this. Which I think was the, the like crazy thing too. was like, I had basketball tryouts that week. And I was like, all right, God, let's really see if like, you're going to like sustain me physically through this. And not in like a you better come through way, but like, all right, let's really see how how much like man doesn't live on bread alone. Like, you know what I'm saying? So and I, I felt fine. I felt fantastic. Like nothing my performance wasn't hindered at all. And yeah, so that was like the first time that I think I took prayer seriously in a different light. Uh, I took it much more disciplinarily than just a whenever I feel like it kind of thing. And I think that that's, mm, let's talk about that. So, uh, yeah, I took it as a, like I set time aside for it. I took it, ser I took it seriously and I tried to do it sincerely. Like a discipline. Yes. Mm. Yes. Like how when I wake up in the morning 
you know, and some days are different than others, but usually I'll sit and I'll read for half an hour while I drink coffee, drink some water, and then I'll go run or lift weights. And I'll always say to myself, look, I'm going to give myself about half an hour from the time that I get out of bed till I'm out the door. And that discipline of, well, I'm not done reading what I want to read or whatever it may be. I'm like, no, I'm putting it down and I'm going to go work out because working out is important. And when I get back, I'm going to make breakfast because breakfast is important. And I'm going to make sure if I work, I do all that before I go to work. And so giving prayer the same priority doesn't happen in my life. And it's sad because then I'm not actually communicating with, with my father. I'm doing something else. Yeah. And that time, I think, I think what made it resonate so deeply was it became a discipline. It became a priority. It became a, no, I don't care that everyone's having lunch and that I can hang out with my friends. Like, this is more important. Hmm. I mean, I've, I've always wondered why we sort of fall into ruts like that, where it's like, well, why don't I read my Bible every day? Well, why don't I, you know, pray this often? Um, I normally pray before I go to bed at night while I'm lying in bed, which is probably not the best posture because <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've fallen asleep in the middle of prayer, which uh, probably not as sincere as it could be, but enough about me. Um, well, okay. What about you though? Is there a point in time where it was more disciplinary or it was more, uh... man, cause like the more I think about it, the more I'm like, man, the good, the good times of prayer, however we want to measure that, the most sincere times I've felt, the, the most, uh, the times that I felt like I'm communicating best and hearing best are the times where I'm like, you know, I'm going to do this right now and I don't care what else is going on. Yeah, just impulsive, just spur of the moment, just like, let's do it. Not even spur of the moment, although that has happened. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, the times where I'm like, no, like this is what's happening right now. And I'll even like I remember a time where I had like I was texting some friends and I was just like, hey, I'll uh give me half an hour. And I just spent time in my room praying. And then I went back and I was like, I I feel so much better. And that's not the point, but the point was that I made a I made the choice to say, you know what, I'm going to forego that and do this. So have you had any like experiences like that? Um, yeah, like two days ago before I went into work, um, I picked up this. It's, well, I wish I could call it a routine because I it only happens about once a week or maybe every other week. Um, where what I do is I read a chapter of Psalms. So I take the day's date, add the number 30, and that's the Psalm that I read through um, usually that afternoon. And I typically read it out loud. I'll be alone. Um, but I th think it, hel I, it helps me if I can hear the word of God. Yeah. Um, and like attaching it to my own voice can be helpful sometimes because um, because it needs to be that personal. Um, and I think it's good to have like an intimate relationship with the Bible where you don't feel um, any sort of negative things going on. And like, if you read the Bible out loud in your own voice, and you feel guilty about reading, you know, whatever passage, and it reminds you of your own sin, I don't think that's necessarily the point. Um, because what, what kind of relationship do you have where you apologize every time, like, you speak with that person? Like, it's probably doesn't look like a very good one. Now, 
I don't say that to be judgmental or um, putting anybody down, but there's value in making um, your voice heard when you're studying uh, something like the Bible. So I read um, a chapter in Psalms. So like two days ago, at the end of every month, you read Psalm 119. And that thing is so long. It's like 175 verses. And I had to go to work in like 20 minutes. So I was on my phone just reading through Psalm 119 uh, alone. (laughs) And it took like 15 minutes to read out loud because of just how long a passage it is. Um, And if you've ever read Psalm 119, it's very repetitive. It's like, I like your ordinances, your commandments, your statutes are my statutes and I love your statutes. Um, and I'm glad that they're there. And it says that probably like 30 times. It's crazy. Um, but that's normally what, uh, sort of prayer and scripture looks like for me. And I normally leave time after reading the passage to, reflect on each verse. Um, Yeah. That's not something that I would love to integrate into my prayer. I think it would help Mm -hmm. a lot is praying through uh, scripture, Mm -hmm. especially like Psalms or, um, some proverbs or things like that. Um, things that are more reflective in nature, things that are more, uh, upward pointing, I guess you could say like sure. things that remind me of the character and nature of God and how, um, he relates to me and relates to, um, my world. And, and even like reading through Psalms, like changed the way I thought about what you're allowed to pray for. So yeah, to speak. Yeah. Like the first time I read through Psalm 58 and we talked about this last night in the green room, the green room, um, like there's a handful of, uh, chapters and Psalms where they're like vengeance prayers. So like God smite down like the evildoers, the enemies, um, you know, like make their bed in hell more or less like be gone with like the wicked. It's like, really? Like you're allowed to like, pray for that as long as they're like not um like trusting the story or they're being antithetical to the story like that is really weird because that's not something you ever hear about in church like that's something you like would certainly don't pray for in church well i take that back there might be some people that have experience with that but certainly not me or you i don't think no um so I do think reading through Psalms is very important because it expands your horizons of like, and it also like smashes um, perceptions that you might've carried with you for a long time about prayer. Uh, So it just, it's a good shock to see that like in scripture. Yeah. Um, And I, I, I guess I found like, I think one of the big other reasons that that time of prayer and fasting was so influential for me and so important was because I did it with somebody else. Mm-hmm. I think that was key. I couldn't, I didn't, I, I wouldn't have been able to do it if I didn't have Matt Taylor with me because I just wouldn't have been focused. I would have, you know, I'm very uh, like high in openness and pretty intellectual. So it's like, it's hard for my brain to stay on like one track or to stay, um, you know, mindful of what's in front of me because it's wants to go everywhere. And so having somebody with me to like ping pong off of was very helpful. And I think that's why praying through Psalms sounds so attractive to me because it gives me like a companion more or less. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I guess that's not a wrong way to think about it because you certainly have the person who wrote the prayer. Um, and it does get sort of companion, like you could say, 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd say like certainly yes to that. Um, but that's something I've never really thought about reading through Psalms is like how to connect with that author. Um, man, that's what makes, that's another reason why the Bible is so interesting because it connects people in different parts of the world, like with a, over a 2000 year difference. And it's like, yeah, yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just, I guess through this, I'm, I'm seeing more and more that I, at least at this point in my maturity, to, for me to feel like I'm taking prayer sincerely and seriously, I need some kind of companion. So there's that. I'll be thinking about that for a while. Um, Do you want to break down the Lord's Prayer like Dallas Willard did in that chapter of Divine Conspiracy? Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's let's go ahead and do that. Let me. I'm gonna scroll through. Let's read it um, another time. Um, give kind of what your thoughts were on what he said, and I'll, I'm gonna try and find the quote that. Um, is him kind of rephrasing the prayer. Um, I think that might be helpful too. Okay. So do you want, do you want me to talk about the structure of the prayer itself? Yeah. Okay. So here's the, the Lord's prayer that Jesus gives us. He says, our father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. So kind of like if you want to s- summarize some of the stuff he says early in the chapter um, about like good ways to pray, a model to pray, things like that. Okay. So it has been probably a year and a half since you lent me that book. And I read it, I want to say uh, spring of 2019. And I remember reading it in my dormitory uh, at MSU. Um, and if anybody out there is a huge Dallas Willard fan and I get this wrong, you are more than welcome to tell me how wrong I am or shake your head at what I say next. But if I remember correctly, Dallas Willard says, like, there's some truth to the statement that like there's no incorrect way to prayer to pray but some ways of prayer are better or at least more helpful than others Mm -hmm. and so then he starts talking about the sermon on the mount like or the lord's prayer um and he says jesus teaches us how to pray like this is the perfect prayer uh like our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name that's the opening of like this letter to God, so to speak. I think that's the analogy he uses. Mm -hmm. I could be totally wrong. Like I said, it's been a while. Um, So you have the the address, like the person you are talking to. Uh, And then what's the next part? I'm not a bad Christian. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. So On earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. Um. Does Willard talk about the, uh, gosh, is it like the motivation? You, do you have the quote pulled up? I'm like I suffering have his, here. I have his rendition of the Lord's Prayer. Oh, his um, rendition. Like yeah. he modernized it, I guess? A little bit. Okay, let's see so what here's this his has to say. modernization of it. He says, dear father, always near us. I love that. May your name be treasured and loved. May your rule be completed in us. May your will be done here on earth in just the way it is done in heaven. Give us today the things we need today and forgive us our sins and impositions on you as we are forgiving all those who in any way offend us. Please do not put us through trials, but deliver us from everything bad because you are the one in charge and you have the power and the glory too is all yours forever which is just the way we want it. Mm 
And let's, I guess, let's also talk about there's. Uh, I love dear father always near us. This so good. This idea. Well, first of all, can we talk about the fact that when Jesus teaches his disciples how to pray, he starts with, if there's any way that I'm going to teach you to look at God, if there's any way I'm going to teach you to address God and talks about this later in the Sermon on the Mount, right? If you as bad fathers know how to give your children good gifts, how much more does your heavenly father know what you need? Mm. And, Jesus says, if there's any way I can teach you to talk to God, if there's any way I can teach you to picture God, to interact with God, it's as a good father. So when you address God, when you pray to him, Heavenly Father. I've just always been struck by that it's maybe yeah. it's a good thing that we're speechless <laughs> when it comes to the <laughs> lord's prayer because nothing else really needs to be said about it may your name be treasured in love may your rule be completed in us may your will be done on earth just the way it is done in heaven I think I, I like that phrasing because it's this idea that like this person we relate to as a father, we want to, may your name be treasured in love. May we hold you in high esteem because you, what you want is important to us and we want to be part of it. Mm. May your will be done on earth just the way it is done in heaven. And the fact that we want to be able to help bring that about. Um, very kingdomly um, as Willard is all through the book. Um, give us today the things we need today and forgive us our sins and impositions on you as we are forgiving all those in any way who in any way offend us. And Jesus goes on later to talk about how God won't forgive us. We can't forgive others. And it, you might say, well, why? Well, because if, if we aren't willing to give away what we've been freely given, then what's what are we saying about what we've been given? If we can't freely give away what we've been given, what then is it? what are we saying about what we've been given? It's too valuable for anybody else to have. Yes, I think that may be one way of looking at it, or um, or that I'm more deserving of it than you are, so you don't get it. Mm. And that's exactly the opposite attitude. It should be, I'm so undeserving of this forgiveness that I'm more than willing to forgive you. Please don't put us through trials, but deliver us from everything bad. It speaks to mercy, doesn't it? Yeah. Be, um, yeah, and he translates it trials, which is a more, I guess, correct interpretation of that word. Because we, um, I think it's the same word that John uses when it says, um, count it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials. It's the same, it's a similar word that Jesus is using when he says, when we translate it, temptations and, and like the common sense of the Lord's Prayer. But, yeah, it's almost like have have uh, have mercy on us because you're the one in charge and you have all the power, and the glory too is all yours forever, which is just the way we want it. That ending phrase, which is just the way we want it. So what did reading the Lord's prayer in this sense that he talks about it as like a model 
or how to structure prayer um, as a like being aware of God's closeness to us, his fatherliness, um, calling upon the fact that you want to be a vessel for his will, um, asking him to give you the ability to do those things, and then being able to in some way like forgive others as he forgives us um, and being merciful towards us because he has the power to do so. Well, how did that like change your perspective on the Lord's prayer? Well, I, th I uh, to what I was saying earlier, growing up in uh, two different churches, I recognized the validity of that sort of um, sort of a, a repetitious prayer. Like that—that's not the same word I'm looking for. But you can obviously notice a pattern um in you know my home churches uh the way they pray and i never like looked down upon it and i spent the basically the rest of my time in christianity like until i found center uh my junior year of high you school make that sound like you left the well, I mean, <laughs> I didn't exactly leave. Like, I still considered, I was essentially a lukewarm Christian. Like, there was a two-year period where I was living um, in Ozark in Missouri, but we just never went to church and never prayed. Um, I stopped asking the hard questions. Um and it wasn't until I found center and started asking the hard questions because I was in a literature of the Bible class that I was like, yeah, this is valuable enough for me to put time and effort um, and invest myself in because it's, it's not as if like I walked off the path, you know, walk like walking alongside God. It was more or less like I just stopped walking and stood mm -hmm. for two years rather than like taking this trail or taking that trail or telling God off. Like I just stopped. Um, and I'm sort of thankful. Well, I'm incredibly thankful that I found my footing again. Um, And it's, and, and the reason why that is, is like, because like, if I hadn't, I probably, I would, I mean, I definitely wouldn't be in the same spot I am right now as far as like maturity and my faith, but, um, if I had never stopped walking, I probably wouldn't have appreciated, uh, like the value that faith has. Like I could have gone my entire life just been like, yeah, you just go to church on Sunday and you pray before every meal and the important ones like Thanksgiving dinner and Christmas dinner with your family. And then you're good. Right. Well, no, like it's not how that works. There's many reasons why, and there's not enough time to get into those, but it just reminded me how valuable time is and how valuable faith is. Um, frack. Where was I going with that? I totally forget. I, I was asking you initially about the, uh, how you took the, the differences and how you look at the Lord's prayer and how that maybe grew your, your prayer life and how it con maybe contrasted or was similar to, Oh yeah, yeah, the tradition yeah, yeah. you grew up in. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so in that, so you grew up in that certain either formulaic or very communal kind of prayer. Yeah, yeah. And then you kind of just stopped for a while. Yeah. And then so once you got back in. Yeah, yeah. So reading through that part of the divine conspiracy reminded me of like the validity uh, that like yeah, having a structured prayer isn't a bad thing, and there's reasons for that. So I thought, okay, good. Um, 
But there is also value in trimming the fat off of prayer, so to speak. Like there, in the Lord's Prayer, there isn't a word that doesn't belong there. Mm-hmm. Like each, and I, he might have brought this up, like each word serves a purpose. Um, and good writing has this quality too of like, can you say it any simpler? Like yes or no. It's not a question that you can really say maybe to mm-hmm. like if every word and it's not and and if you're praying and as like you're praying you're thinking of like uh like this is not you know like there's like a lot that i'm missing here or this isn't a very good prayer or i just don't know what to say as soon as you get tangled up into that like rat's nest of like i'm making so many mistakes you're already sort of missing the point like God wants to hear you he wants to be near you he already knows you're going to make a lot of mistakes um and the more time you spend sort of um on that tangent of oh my goodness like I'm making so many mistakes like you're obviously not learning to be patient with yourself and saying like that's okay like as long as I'm taking this time, like that's what matters. And I get like, and I get into that uh, too, especially if it's been a long day and it's like, man, like, can I do anything right? Um, and what normally gets me out of it is like, who God loves you, no matter how many times you fumble over your own words or thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'd say um, prayers can be well-structured. Prayers can be too um, – is extra the good word? I don't know. It, it's it's yeah, a hard thing to fatty, describe. I too guess fatty, maybe sure. the analogy we were using. Yeah. Um, and – I love to be around like I love to be outside when I pray. Mm-hmm. I love to be connected to you know the earth, nature because I'm surrounded by things that were made to be good as well. Mm-hmm. And so that reminds me that reminds me of my own role in creation. And so that just because you're outside doesn't make you any closer to God. You know, you can build a skyscraper or, you know, stand on top of a mountain and pray, but it doesn't make you any physically closer to God. Uh, Contrary to what the people who built the Tower of Babel believed. (laughs) And I can admit to this, I've also prayed on top of a mountain and it can get very emotional, but that doesn't mean you're any closer. And it's, that's a weird conversation to have by itself. Um, But I think I stay on topic when I'm praying in creation. Mm. So it's like the, it's like that companion for you. Yeah. It's like walking or being in nature. It's like your companion. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's maybe the most helpful thing we've talked about is prayer. If you're struggling with prayer, maybe something that can be very helpful is having some kind of companion when you pray. Uh, and we do, we have Holy Spirit, but something um, more tangible might be helpful at least to start. So maybe it's praying through Psalms or maybe it is walking outside or, you know, you don't have to be still when you pray. You can pray while you walk, you can pray while you drive, whatever. Um, I would so, love to talk to a Catholic about this. Like Catholics have like rosaries, is that mm-hmm. what they're called? And like prayer beads. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to hear someone talk about that dynamic and the only Catholics I've met like in college are like, yeah, I'm Catholic. Like, Oh, tell me about your experiences, like going to mass. And they're like, well, I'm not that kind of Catholic. <laughs> it's like, well, that makes sense. That's like people nowadays saying like, Oh, I'm Jewish. Like really, do you go to, uh, do you go to temple? Do you like um, practice like Sabbath? And it's like, well, I'm ethnically Jewish. It's like, Oh, okay. <laughs> We could say the same about a lot of Christians. Uh, 
<laughs> I hope so. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think having some kind of companion is very, very helpful and making it. I think the necessity for sincerity mm-hmm. and prayer. Uh, and I think that's also what Jesus is sitting on in the Sermon on the Mount. It's like, look, they might sound good. All these prayers you hear on the street corners and in synagogue or in church or wherever, but that's it. They just sound good. If you want to really connect with your father, then you do it in your house, in your room, by yourself. Not to say there's a no need for a corporate prayer. I think corporate prayer can be powerful, but it has to have that sincerity. Because otherwise, I just don't, I don't know how honorable it is to use that word. Oh, yeah. But also each has their own place. Like Mm -hmm. uh, corporate prayer and like individual prayer, like both have their uh, place in faith. And for each for their like good reasons, but different reasons. Yeah. Any closing thoughts that you have or any other things you want to discuss? Um, mm. Not that I can really think of, but like um, I did start doing meditative prayer um, since March when COVID happened or this was pre-COVID, pre-lockdown. Um, and this is also when I started doing Psalms, like this meditative prayer through Psalms. And I will say that it has helped my prayer life, my faith a lot. Um, it is, it can be very uncomfortable to get into. You kind of feel spiritually naked in a sense, doing it the first couple of times. And it's because you're not used to it. And maybe it's because you're not used to that sort of, vulnerability, being alone, getting used to hearing your voice and also God's voice, like getting used to the silence, getting used to, I guess, not replying to text messages or scrolling through Instagram and wrestling with the word. You do feel spiritually naked, but like it does, uh, at least for me, like drastically improve. It gets better. You find that intimacy um, and I'm very thankful that that can be achieved. Yeah. I think what you're getting at and all that is just getting rid of the distractions. Yeah. I think in all the stories we've told about prayer and how it's been useful or helpful or unhelpful even is good, serious, sincere prayer is, is, is a uh, void of distraction. But you also can't pray to idols if they're not in the room. It makes it incredibly hard and it's, and it becomes an orientation. Um, praying alone, praying mm-hmm. without distraction, you reorient yourself back towards God, like a compass and doing that while reading the Bible reorients your um, place in society, the world, your it reorients your faith towards kingdom and not anything else. Amen. Well, I don't want to end on anything else. So let's end it there. <laughs> All right. Thanks for having me on Luke. Well, I really appreciate it, man. Uh, love to have you on. And we are uh, in talks of starting a new segment of the podcast. You're in talks with you. Uh, for yeah. The book club. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, we're trying to plan out. We have a couple of things we want to get through before that, but, uh, we are looking to start a segment of the podcast called the Belfast book club. Um, the first book I think we're going to go through quite, I would like to go through quite strenuously and seriously is uh, surprised by joy by NT Wright. So if any of you listening are familiar or are curious and want to go through that with us, um, more updates coming soon. We'll let you know when that's going to start. And if you want to go through it with us, we'd be more than happy to have uh, other companions. So look out for more Matt Dean on the podcast. And it's always a pleasure having a conversation with you. Um, tell them where they can find you. 
Um, on Instagram, if you're into that, it's Matt with eight underscores in a row, Dean. Um, and then on Twitter, if you want to see how inflammatory I can get, it's Matt underscore Dean, capital P, capital C. All right. Well, this has been the Belfast Podcast. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at the Belfast Podcast. You can email us at belfastpodcast@gmail.com. Please leave us a rate and review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you use. Helps us out a lot. Hopefully we can get to the point where we can read a few of those on the show. I would love, love to hear people's feedback. Um, I'm always tickled to see people sharing screenshots on their stories. So thank you, Ashley. Uh, so yeah, hope this was informative and helpful. Look at the details. They always say they going through it. Life is a female. Dog, that would be me. She said, let's go to Hong Kong, but I'm only 18. Ain't got money for Hong Kong. If she'd have asked me last year, I'd have been long gone. We're live.